Hi, guys. So first off, thank you for tuning into the show again. I really do appreciate all of you taking the time out of your week to tune in, listen to me, listen to the incredible guests that I've had the honor of having on the show. It's been truly humbling to hear so much great feedback about this podcast since I've started doing it. And the amount of downloads, everything has just been a really incredible experience. So I really appreciate you all first and foremost for tuning in. So thank you for that. This week, I've got Derek Somerville on the show with me. Derek works for the Arizona Diamondbacks in the AAA level in Major League Baseball. So we talk a lot about what younger kids can actually look for when they're bringing on a strength coach. So if you're in that position where you're looking to add that into your training routine, we go through some really good details of things to look for to actually make sure that you're putting yourself in a good situation because that is really present right now. There are a lot of coaches out there and we just want to make sure that you're putting yourself in the right situation to succeed and not getting stuck in a bad situation that might cause you some problems down the road with your training. Then as we move through, we talk a lot about the work that Derek's doing right now with the Diamondbacks and just the difference in athletes that do go on to be successful at the top levels and those that maybe fall off and that's, this has been the goal of the show since day one, but Derek gives some really good insight to some specific players that he's worked with and you know what it takes, what it's taken them to succeed. And I just, I really took a lot away from the importance of the daily routines, the importance of, you know, what players are doing every game day, every practice day, how they're structuring their training and the real benefit of having Derek and his staff not just dictating training programs to them, but talking with the athletes, really developing the relationships to be able to let them have some input on what they feel they need and not just dictating, you know, we're the coaches, we know what's best and you're the athlete. So this is what you're doing and this is when you're doing it. And that's that. The importance of that relationship and the importance of letting the athlete have some say in that, I think is so crucial and something I know that, coaches can really take away from this one and athletes can really take away from this one. So before we get you over to Derek, though, I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, Perfect Sports Nutrition. You can take a look in the show notes for the website and the discount code. These guys offer all kinds of approved for sport products. Um, they're also informed choice approved. So this means they've gone through extra testing to make sure that these supplements are top notch, top quality. And so take a look in the show notes, click there, and you can go check them out and put in an order and save yourself some money. As well, check out Train Heroic Marketplace. I'll post a link to my platform on there in the show notes too. I've got a mobility training for athletes program that is growing every week and is getting some really good results with athletes. So if you're suffering from you know, limitations and mobility in your shoulders, your hips, your back, whatever it might be. This program can really just help add that little bit of an edge to your training without adding too much impact or too much time. So it's just really going to help you perform at your best. So go check that out as well. The link is in the show notes and you could start the program with a seven day free trial. So you're probably all sick of listening to me talk. And, uh, but again, before we go over to Derek, I really appreciate you guys all tuning in. Now let's get you over to Derek Somerville. This is the Elite Development Podcast, a show with the aim of helping athletes evolve in every element of their careers through real-world advice and experience. 
I'm your host, Kenny Dussault. I'm a strength and conditioning coach in Calgary, Alberta, with a singular focus on building better athletes. And now, let's get to the episode. Derek, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you taking the time for me today. Hey, I appreciate it. Um, just got back from South Africa and had the opportunity on a 15-hour flight to listen to a couple of your podcasts. So just wanted to start by saying I appreciate kind of the work you've put in for this project. I don't think many people really know how much time and effort it goes into, into this kind of stuff. So I appreciate you moving the, the field forward, and I'm excited to be on here with you. Man, I, that means a lot to me. I really appreciate that. It's been, uh, it's been a hell of a good time doing this and, man, meeting some amazing people really across the world. So, uh, so I appreciate those kind words, and I'm excited to have you here too. Cool. Let's get into it. So just to start us off, can you talk me through a little bit about, you know, who you are, what you do, and then just uh, the path leading to it? Like what got you into the field of strength and conditioning and uh, what's led you to the opportunities that you're at right now? Yeah, for sure. A little bit of my background. I know we talked before we got started here. I'm from North Dakota originally, so I'm back here freezing right now for the holidays too. But uh, born and raised here, got into my first kind of experience with strength and conditioning was like seventh or eighth grade, getting into, into football and baseball and just wanted to be the best version of myself I could be to perform and hopefully make, you know, varsity going forward. So that's kind of where I got into it. It was at uh, ASK Fitness was the place they just opened. And that was kind of my first eye-opening experience to the training side of things versus just playing sports. So got a passion for that right away. Love that. And felt like that's kind of what helped me succeed through high school. Uh, went to the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. I played baseball there for, for four years. And like I said, just my passion for the weight room was something that felt like it led to a lot of my success on the field. So just wanted to stay in that. I studied exercise science for my four years there and realized that you know, I wasn't that great at baseball, but loved the game and loved being part of a team and really wanted to be a part of that still moving forward. So felt like exercise science and being a strength and conditioning coach was a way I could keep my foot in the door and be a part of that still moving forward. Um, 180 from that, my internship, I went to football U of A and I was there for three and a half months, kind of the 180 side, like I said, playing baseball through college and just really seeing what that was about. I think that was a really good experience for me, kind of just learning the ins and outs from the other side. And that was definitely something that you know, I enjoyed, but realized that baseball was definitely my avenue and my passion and what I wanted to be around moving forward. So I was lucky enough to get in with the San Francisco Giants out of, out of school after that internship, was there AZL part-time for, for two years. And while I was doing that, studied at Liberty University online. So that was kind of my way of doing grad school, but not really. <laughs> uh, I, pretty much my money I made from the Giants to, to study there and just really get better that way. I felt like that was a good lap for me going through that again, because I didn't have the best grades in undergrad, but that was, you know, once I knew that I really wanted to get into this, that was a, a good refresher for me to go back through that and, and really dig in deep with that. So yeah, after my two years there with the giants, I was fortunate enough to get a, a full-time position with the diamondbacks. And that was definitely the right move for me because just being a part of our team and our culture is something I know, looking back five years, five years now with them going into my sixth year that I'm a way better version of myself because I chose the Diamondbacks than going any other route. So grateful for my five years with them. Like I said, heading into my sixth year and just feel 
fortunate and blessed to be where I'm at. So, man, I love hearing that. It's just, it's great when you see somebody that's really in a position that you know is just meant for them, right? Like being able to improve every day like that. And, uh, you know, from obviously the work you've done with the with uh, the Giants and then everything before that, it's like, I think it's, it just shows how it leads you down the path that you're meant to go down. So I love hearing, hearing stories like that. But I want to bring you back to that first experience of yours with strength and conditioning. So in seventh or eighth grade, when you started training yourself, you know, how did you decide that, you know, it was time to add that into your regimen, but also looking back now, would you say that obviously you said it helped you succeed quite a lot in high school, but for those other kids that are maybe looking that looking at adding strength and conditioning in knowing that it's something that could help them actually succeed, what would your advice be as far as finding the right coach, finding the right gym, and just making sure you're putting yourself in a good situation? Because obviously being in the industry, you know that as much as there are a lot of good ones out there, there are unfortunately a lot of bad ones out there too. So for those younger kids and maybe for those parents, how do you differentiate between the two and make sure you're putting yourself in a good spot? Yeah, really good question. Um, for me, it was pretty much the only thing that was open at the time. Like it was the first gym that had any, any kind of plyometric training besides like the, the, the weights that our high school offered. So for me personally, it was really the only option. I, got, <laughs> I had a really good trainer. Uh, his name was Craig. I still talk to him today. He's still there. So good relationship with him that way. But I think really digging in deep, like behind the program and don't be afraid to ask, like, what are your thoughts on like the reasonings behind you're doing your program? If you're like a parent or like a seventh or eighth grade kid talking to whatever trainer you may or may want not to use. So I think just understanding the why and their philosophy behind it and just knowing that their approach is, is only meant for, for, the success of your kid or you as an individual I think I had a, I've had that trust right away when I worked with Craig and I for me I knew that you know his only intention was to make me better not to try and get 50 kids to try and do the same program so it's kind of it's something that I can't really define but you can definitely feel it out and you can tell the difference between a guy that's interested in your career and your development versus not in my opinion yeah exactly I mean I think that's one thing that I, I love that insight of digging into the coach and their why because something that I always tell athletes right off the start when they come in with me is the goal is not to build a baseball player or a hockey player or you know whatever that athlete actually is but the goal is to build an athlete the goal like the baseball coach builds the baseball player the hockey coach builds the hockey player the strength and conditioning coach builds the athlete that then has the potential to be a better baseball or hockey or whatever other player that you're actually trying to beat right yeah and then I think even to just go a little further off of your point of digging into the coach and their why then whether it's as the parent or as the athlete it's continuing that investigation I guess like you know as you start training continue to ask questions don't just sort of blindly accept well the coach said we're doing this so we're doing this it's like well why are you doing that what's that mm -hmm. exercise going to do for you when you hit the baseball field or you know, what's the point of what you're doing in the gym? Because one quote I actually heard on one of my earlier interviews in this show, I can't remember exactly what number it was, but the guy said, the gym is not your competition, right? Like if you're squatting 400 pounds, yeah, that's cool. But if you're not performing at your best, that 400 pound squat doesn't mean anything anymore. So it's always looking at what you're doing in the gym and how it's helping you perform, not just, hey, look at the performance in the gym, right? Yeah, the only lift that matters for performance is if you're an Olympic weightlifter. Like if that's your sport, the only goal yeah, exactly. Great, but like you said, I think you did a good job there with 
we're trying to create better athletes first. Cause if you had asked me in seventh or eighth grade, what my favorite sport was, I would have told you football. But <laughs> thing I did too translate it to baseball because we're just creating better athletes at that point. So not narrowing exactly. it as specific as possible, but like you said, creating better athletes in general. And like you said, always asking why and kind of, it's not a, it's not a one and done trust thing. It's like day to day. Like I got to earn my guys trust day to day. And if I'm an athlete on the other side, like just because I started there doesn't mean I have to finish there too. So. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think that's like, that's one of the other things I know I try to always communicate to athletes that work with me is ongoing communication. Like if you're ever in a position where you're training with me and you don't understand the point of what we're working on or anything like that, ask me. Because either I'll be able to explain it and then you'll better understand, you'll better buy in. Or from the other side, if maybe I don't have the best reason for it, like in my head, it made sense while I was writing the program. And then you ask me and I can't really explain it. Well, then we need to make some changes. Like it's, it's an ongoing thing every single day. So I love hearing that, you know, and athletes listening to this, make sure you're asking those questions. And if your coach isn't encouraging you to ask those questions, that might be a whole other problem in itself. 100% for sure. <laughs> That's a big part of, of my job day to day is creating that psychological safety where athletes can feel like they can trust me and come up to me with anything. And it's not going to be like, I'm not going to freak out on them or get defensive if they ask me my why. So I think that's a big part of, of us as coaches too, to create that for them. So they have that trust and that they can feel like comfortable coming to say anything to us too. So. Absolutely. And so as this show's progressed, one of the other areas that I've found I've really been able to get into, and I think you'll be able to help a lot with that as well, no pressure, is actually helping coaches in the, progress in their careers. Because I know there are a lot of, like strength and conditioning is a cool, cool job now. Like back in the day, it maybe wasn't really something that a lot of people considered possible to make a living at. But now there are people popping out of the woodwork that all want to train athletes for a living. And many of them want to be in professional organizations like you are. So if you're talking to a young coach or someone who's aspiring to get into the strength and conditioning industry that wants to get in with a professional organization, what would your best advice be as far as like how to take those first steps? Like how did it come up for you? And then what can they maybe do to help get their foot in the door in some pro organizations? Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a great question. I actually just talked to some students at ASU here last week and that's kind of a big talking point for that. So main thing I would start with is, you know, kind of know your why, like know why you want to be in the sports you want to be in. Like you said, not just because it's the hot, cool topic, like hot, cool job at the time, like, oh, it's cool to work with the Diamondbacks. But like, I think it goes a lot deeper than that working in professional baseball. Like personally, my why is to help create big leaguers. So my goal day to day with whatever I do is to help other people get better at what they want to do. So I think knowing your why will help you really dictate what path you want to go through, whether it's college, professional, or whatever. And then I, th I mentioned getting your foot in the door. Like, don't be afraid to fail for sure. I talked to, like I said last week, about how many resumes I sent out maybe in the 70s for just an internship, and I got two back. But <laughs> you just need one to, to yeah. where you want to go. So don't be afraid to fail. And don't be afraid to take some detours along the way. Like it might not be you go to school, you do an internship, you get to professional baseball it might be a whole different path. And that's fine because it's your path. Like don't get discouraged because your path isn't the same as someone else's. It's yeah. 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 So, I love that. I mean, and it's, and it's awesome. Sorry. I interrupted you there. I think we got a little yeah. lag in the internet, but uh, 
But yeah, I love hearing that because I was really similar coming out of university. I had a job in Ottawa where I grew up and it was just, you know, I was in the gym, which I enjoyed, but I was not working with the populations I wanted to be working with. The hours were all over the map for real garbage pay. And so I started sending out resumes. I think I sent out 72 resumes all around Canada and I got one back. <laughs> and, you know, I took that job. I was there for a little while and then I ended up going off on my own. But yeah, out of those 72, I got one back and it took me across the country. And so, you know, I moved across the country. I started at that job and it was the best decision I ever made in my life. And it's got me doing exactly what I want to be doing now. So it's cool hearing that from other coaches too. I couldn't agree more. You can't be afraid to fail. It's, you know, you're early in your path and you're going to have a lot of ups and downs along the way. 100%. That's awesome. Yeah, it, just, it literally just takes one. So shoot your shot and don't be afraid of failure because I know that's what's made me better along the way for sure. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I mean, that's like, it's great seeing that come from someone who's actually in a professional organization that right now too, because you know, I think a lot of people see people in those top positions and just assume that, you know, their path was easy. They just sort of did it and, oh, you know, it's great for you, but it's impossible for me. It really isn't, right? So it's, it's awesome hearing that. I really appreciate that insight. Awesome. And then I wanted to ask you, so now with your role with the Diamondbacks, can you talk a little bit about your day-to-day, -day, like, with the team, what is your average, what does your average day look like? And obviously that might change a little bit through the season as well, but what does your role look like with the team right now? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, kind of the easiest insight to paint a picture would be just kind of how my year was this last past season at AAA. So minor leagues, there's four different levels of all these guys trying to make it to the, to the major leagues, right? You have A ball, high A, double A, triple A. Those are all guys fighting for spots to try and get a chance to get called up. So in general, most guys get called up from, from AAA, some from AA if they're young prospects. But in general, AAA is kind of like the, the up and down guys that are there if injured or someone gets injured or, you know, if they play well, they'll get a chance. So that's where I was this past year. And day to day, it's, you know, it's long hours for sure. But if you enjoy what you're doing, it doesn't feel like work at all. So for example, you know, I'd get in about 12 o'clock for a night game. Night games are usually at seven o'clock. Athletes would come in, you know, get some lunch whenever they want. And then it's pretty much open gym from 12 till seven. So I'm just there being available for anyone who wants to come and get work. Position players usually would come get a warm up or a lift or both in before their, their baseball work, their cage work, uh, hitting program, throwing program, stuff like that. So just being available and have a goal for each guy for that day for what he needs to do to, to be on the field and be ready to play. Uh, usually right before the game, we do some activation work with guys getting on the line, doing some stuff to prepare for, for what they need to do that night. And then during the game, it's pretty much watching until the starting pitcher comes out. And after that, it's, it's time to get to work. So usually doing some arm care routine with them when they finish. And if they want to lift that night, they can lift that night or we, schedule out their next five days for them and kind of game plan that. And that's, you know, it's pretty scheduled, but it's also depending on, on, on how their outing was and, and how they're feeling and stuff like that. So figure out what the starter has to do. And then each reliever, same thing. Once they get out of their, out of the, out of the game, it's a conversation with them on what they feel like they need to, to get ready for their next outing and when we can work and when we can't work. So just conversations for sure. 
And then once the game's done, position players may or may not come back in for a lift if they want after the game. And, you know, we're done by about 1130, 12. So pretty much 12 to 12 every day for six months. So it's a long season for sure. Um, but I love it and I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah, man. I mean, I think like I got a few things I want to unpack from there because one that, you know, what, like you said, those long hours, but when you love it, it doesn't feel like work because I get that question all the time, right? Like first, the one thing I hear a lot is how lucky I am to spend my days working with athletes and then people don't see, you know, the, the first year I lived in Calgary, I didn't crack a four digit paycheck for a month. Like I was living in a hole in the ground, making like 400 to $800 a month, squeezing pennies together to you know, make it month to month, but, uh, you know, you don't see stuff like that. And then, yeah, you don't see those long 12 to 12 kind of days. It's like, but like you said, I wouldn't change it for the world. Like it's, it's a great feeling to be in a position where you can be at work for 12 hours and just love every minute of it, you know? For sure. I don't, I like you said, I think people just think professional baseball and they're like, Oh, you guys get there. Maybe like what games at seven, you probably get there at five and you're done right after the game. Like they don't realize <laughs> You know, it's these guys' jobs and it's it's day to day trying to get better and trying to, to stay healthy and all the work and effort that comes into what it takes to to do that for 162 games because it's no joke. I mean, if you ask anyone to do anything for 162 days out of 180, it's it's a tough pass, let alone play at your highest level. So for sure, it's a, it's a little bit different than people think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that I've always admired about uh, about baseball players and working in that area is just the intensity of the schedule right like people talk about the intensity of a hockey schedule and all of that and it's you know it's 82 games over eight nine months whatever baseball you're playing 162 games like you said over 180 days like that's insane <laughs> and uh then the other thing i really liked about what you were talking about there with your role day to day is just the individualization like you said it is quite scheduled but you're having those conversations with those individual players for them to hear, like to hear what you, they feel they need, not just you dictating, Hey, we need you in the gym to stay at this time doing this, because that's something that I think really gets overlooked in our industry a lot. Like people think they can kind of just put out the program and then everybody's going to follow it and everybody's going to get the best results. So I love hearing that you're taking that individual approach at the highest level, talking to every guy and getting a feel for exactly what they feel they need. And not just having that attitude of, you know, I'm the coach, I know best, and here's what we're doing this week, guys. Yeah, I think that, you know, strength and conditioning is more than just strength and conditioning. It's definitely relationship-based. Like, I can be the smartest dude on the planet, but if this guy doesn't trust me with, he feels like I want what's best for him or that I'm coming from a place of just trying to make him better, then it doesn't matter what I present to him because these guys are, like you said, especially as you get to the higher levels, they have the, the options to not listen to you if they want to, like if they're going to do what they feel is best for their career. So we need to create those relationships first to where they know that, you know, we're coming from a place of love and we want them to succeed just as bad as we want to get to the big leagues. We want, I want it more for him. So yeah, and that relationship is, is definitely priority because like I said, if they don't trust you or feel like you want what's best for them, then it doesn't really matter how much, you know, because you're just talking to a wall at that point, like no one's going to, no one's going to buy in or anything. So. I think that people don't realize how much conversations happen and how many just awesome relationships you get to build along the way too. So that's one part I love about my job. 
Yeah, man, absolutely. I love hearing that because that's something, and I think it comes back to what we were talking about before with those younger athletes and what to look for when you're trying to find a gym and trying to find a coach. That's something right there that, you know, I always try to make sure that I'm checking in with athletes once a week, once every couple of weeks, at least about, you know, how they feel the program's doing, what we, what they feel we might be able to put a little more focus on. And a lot of the time, those conversations are, you know, how are you feeling? They are like, do you feel like everything's going well? Where do you think we could put some more focus? And they go, nope, I feel like everything's going well. And then we keep doing what we're doing and keep moving forward. But there are definitely times where, you know, an athlete comes to me and feel like I've got, I had uh, one example recently with one of my boxers and he came to me, he said, I feel like my power is on point. Like I'm putting way more behind every punch that I throw, but I feel like I can't let that volume go as much. Like I can't throw those, you know, six, seven, eight shot combinations as crisply as I used to. So we made some changes and now we're focused more on bringing back his speed and his repeatability. Cause that's somewhere where he felt like he was lacking. And if you're not doing that as the strength coach, if you're not talking to your athletes about what they feel they need, then again, like you said, as they get to the higher levels, it's going to be like talking to a wall. Like you're going to be talking to guys and they're going to go, yeah, this guy doesn't care about me. So I'm going to keep focusing on what I know I need to do. For sure. I think you made a good point of always kind of asking the athlete how they feel about what you're doing personally and kind of just how they feel in general. Like I've been surprised a lot of, of some of the feedback I've gotten where guys love some things. And, and then, like you said, just creating that relationship where guys can tell you if they don't too, because I've changed a lot of things for the better along the way because the guy was feeling like he could tell me that he didn't think what we were doing was great for him personally. So all that matters is if they feel like they're getting it out of it, what, what they want and having them have an open channel of communication is the only way you're going to get there. So, yeah, exactly. And I mean, and being able to explain it sometimes, like I know there have definitely been cases where like we're doing a new drill or something like that. The athlete's really not, feeling it really not enjoying it really not feeling like they're getting things out of it but as I was better able to explain you know what the drill was for why we were doing it then even though they were struggling with it they kind of understood it and were able to you know work that extra little bit at it to master it because they knew it was important but yeah just having that open line of communication like you said is going to be massively massively important hi guys thanks for tuning into the show today I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Perfect Sports, and talk about Altered State, one of their pre-workout supplements. Altered State was created using a powerful combination of citrulline malate, beta-alanine, taurine, agmatine sulfate, along with over 400 milligrams of triple-source caffeine. This powerful formula is designed to create undeniable motivation within minutes of taking it. It will give you the stimulation you need to hit more, better reps while you're training, allowing you to drastically improve the efficiency of your sessions, especially on those days that you just aren't feeling it. Make sure you have the energy you need for every session to make sure you are ready to go when competition comes. For the full breakdown of Altered State ingredients and their benefits, as well as all of the other top quality products that Perfect Sport has to offer, check out www.perfectsports.com and use the code Kenny20 for 20% off all your purchases. Now let's get back to the episode. And then I want to get into as well, uh, like I mentioned, the real point of starting this show in the beginning was teaching athletes what it takes to create long-term successful careers in sport. And especially with you being at the AAA level, I think this is going to be really interesting insight because 
these are the guys, like you said, they're in the professional ranks, but they're not necessarily where they want to be. These are a lot of those guys being called up to the big leagues, being sent down sort of on the bubble. And what do you feel allows these guys to succeed in the professional ranks compared to those who fall off before? Like, are there common traits you notice with a lot of your guys that you think really separate them and allow them to first succeed in AAA, but second, be those guys that get called up and then see success in the big leagues too? Yeah, for sure. Really good question. I think the main couple of things that stand out to me for guys that are, are really good versus the guys that are really good, but not all the time is just guys that really have their routine down. Like, for example, a guy that comes to my mind, I worked with him a little bit, not as much as, as some guys on our team, but like Paul Goldschmidt would come in to spring training and he would have it to the minute of what he wanted to do that day before he'd get ready to go to the game. So having something really detail oriented that you can stick to and you know that's your game plan to give you the best chance to succeed is I think where I see a lot of guys separate themselves because you know baseball is a game of failure and if all of a sudden you have a couple of bad games and then you just bail on your routine or you try and change everything it's going to lead to a lot of searching so I feel like the guys that you know have a really good routine that are just committed to that and day in and day out they're going to be the same guy and do the same same, not exact same thing, but same thing for the most part. So they know that they're best prepared for, for that game. And that day, I think, is where a lot of guys get separated versus, like I said, the guys that come in hot and cold, like they're on fire for a week and they're really good about doing their warm up and really good energy and, and lifting all the time. And all of a sudden they hit this cold streak and you don't see them for in the gym at all for, for a week or 10 days. Like just being consistent and knowing your end goal and how you're going to get there versus being reactive and with these guys that you see that you know are really good at keeping the consistency because obviously it's easy to sit here and say yeah be consistent is there anything you see them doing that maybe help those like help them stay consistent because I know obviously it's a difficult thing like you said to do anything for 162 out of 180 days but there are guys who do it so is there anything in particular that you find helps them do that? Or is it just as simple as they know where they want to go and they know this is what they need to do to get there? Yeah, I think like the mental side of it plays, it plays a huge role into a lot of, a lot of that for sure. I see guys that are the most consistent, have some kind of mental strategy, whether it's, you know, meditation. Um, we have some mindfulness coaches on our staff that I know a lot of guys talk with them and just some strategies to stay more consistent along the way. I think the, the mental side is, is huge. I know there's a Yogi Bear quote, like baseball is 50% or 90% mental and the other half is physical, something like that. But I think <laughs> it's really a good way to just to stay even keel and even wavelength along the way and deal, be able, have a strategy to deal with your failures because everyone's going to fail. But if you don't have a strategy to deal with it, then that's, I feel like, what leads to more snowballs than, than not. So. Yeah, I mean, I love that. And I love the fact that you guys have these mindfulness coaches too, because I think that's something that's emerging more and more and more, right? The importance of mental training and like actually working on that mental side of the game. Like I, I had one other interview and uh, the guy said, he was like playing, he was a thousand plus game NHL veteran. And he said, playing at the top level is 95% mental and 5% your actual playing ability. It's like, if you can't deal with being there, that's more important than how skilled you are to actually play at that level. So I love that it's becoming more and more prevalent that, you know, these coaches are actually part of these major league organizations too. 
Yeah, 100%. Like you said, at, at that level, everyone is so good that it takes 1% difference to, to make you elite and stay there for a long time versus be a guy that's that's up and down. So I know that's something we've grown our last three or four years that I've been with the Diamondbacks is our mental skills department. And you know, I value it a lot myself for, to me to stay even keel day to day and be as good as I can for my players at the same time for my players. Like I know that that's giving them the best opportunity to succeed on the field too. So. Yeah. And I mean, I think I love that you said that because I think that's something that even coaches overlook, right? Like I know that's something I've struggled with over the course of my career for sure is those feelings of burnout. Like even if you love what you do, like you hit that point where you're at it 18 hours a day for however long and you do hit that point where I, you realize, you know, you're sort of more going through the motions than you are truly giving your best every day. So to be able to have those strategies yourself, that's just going to keep you at your best, which in turn is going to keep your players at your be- at their best which in turn is going to keep the big bosses happy, right? Yeah, like you said, I mean, even if you love what you do at a certain point, if you're working 12 hours a day for six months straight, there's going to be ups and downs for sure. So I know for me, there's a couple of strategies I have to just kind of take a step back and and recharge my batteries a little bit, even though it's in season. And uh, if I can't be myself, my best self for my guy each day, then I'm not doing him any favors too, so being able to recharge your batteries along the way is just as important as all the other stuff. Absolutely. And so I love what you were saying about, you know, the guys having their routines and, you know, the more dialed in, the more consistent you can be with those routines, the better, more chance you're giving yourself to be successful. So if you're talking to some younger players now, let's say in that 13 to 16 kind of age range, and their goal is to make a career in professional sport, whether it be baseball or another one, do you have any advice, any thoughts on like how to sort of start getting these routines set? Like if they know it's important, but they have no idea, you know, where do I start with a game day routine? Where do I start with a training routine? What would your advice be as far as like getting started and then obviously building that routine over time to give yourself the ability to be consistent with it? Yeah, really good question. I think kind of the, the same, like the main points that I come back to, like with, for example, a, a young guy that comes into spring training and has no idea where to start. Um, I think warm up, just a warm up routine is, is huge. Like if you're younger, 13 to 14, may not feel like it's as important because you can probably just get out of bed and, and perform. But long term, it's, it's going to give you the best chance to, to feel good each day versus, you know, just being reactive to how you feel. So main things I tell people is get your heart rate elevated, whether that's, you know, if you want to be on a bike or a treadmill, but at least get it up 130, 150-ish. So we're getting some blood flow to the tissue. Do some soft or foam rolling or myofascial release where I'm just, you know, same thing, breaking up the tissue, uh, allowing some more mobility and flexibility through the joint as I got blood flow into it. And then get a little more specific with kind of some activation things. This can be a little more dependent on your sport, but we try and hit all three planes in a warm-up. So sagittal plane could be if you hit a goblet squat for a couple sets just to get some sagittal plane, a uh, little squat pattern going. Frontal plane, so that could be, you know, a side lunge or something where I'm kind of working more my groin adductors and transverse plane where maybe I kind of put it all together and, you know, could be a med ball toss, could be any kind of T-spine exercise you like. But in general, we kind of think general to specific. So low, lowest level first, like I said, the, the bike foam roll, whatever. And then we build up to where it's more game speed specific. So 
for example, like I said, we'd end with the med ball toss before a guy goes to the cage. So I think really kind of, it can be any way you want to do it, but as long as you hit all three planes and you feel really good before you go do anything sport specific, I think that's a really good spot to be with being consistent with that. And I've seen guys that do it for 15 minutes, guys that do it for an hour in general, for my personal opinion, if I'm going to try and have a routine, that's going to be, you know, for my day to day for years to come, I want it to be a little bit short and sweet because I don't want to feel like I'm getting burnt out from my routine. Like I don't want to sit there for an hour and then be like, I'm gassed. Now I got to go do my baseball stuff. So, <laughs> short and sweet. And then general to specific hit all three planes. Awesome. I love that you added in the short and sweet. Cause yeah, there are definitely guys who, you know, they need that really good long 30, 45 minutes an hour beforehand. But like you said, if you're gassed out when you actually start doing the sports specific stuff, it's probably not doing you as much good as you think it is. Right. Yeah. It should be like, you're just trying to feel as good as you can before you do your first activity, whether that's, you know, first sprint on the field for football or, or first swing in the cage for baseball. So it's just a general progression, but I don't want to be tired by the time I get there either. So Exactly. And guys listening to this, especially at the younger age groups, a lot of the time teams don't have this in place. Like when you've got coaches for your team that is a parent volunteer or whatever, they don't necessarily have a great warm up routine generally because they don't know. So listening to what Derek just said, put a little something together for yourself and get to practice, get to games early and do these things on your own. Even if your team's not doing it, some people might think it looks a little weird, but again, even if you're 13, 14 right now, and you feel like you can just pop right into your game, trust me from being that 13 or 14 year old kid, that doesn't last. So start doing these warm up things now, start building that routine. You're going to thank yourself once you get a little bit older. <laughs> Thumbs up Love for that. Derek, just for those listening on audio instead of video. Hey, you're going to, you're going to thank us when you're 25 or 30 and feeling really <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because that's like, that's one of the things I've loved about this show is being able to give those little tips that, you know, looking back, I look at myself as a kid and go, man, I wish I had someone telling me that. Or even if someone was telling me that, I, I wish I had listened. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And as far as, so that's great as far as those game day routines, the warm ups and things like that. But then the other thing I know we've discussed a lot is those mental strategies that being able to sort of recharge your batteries. Cause something I run into a lot with athletes that train out of my gym, whether athletes of mine or, you know, others that are just around the gym is kind of always wanting to do more, right? Like that attitude of, well, I shouldn't work out five days a week. I should work out six or seven days a week and just never really taking into account the importance of first of all, physical rest and recovery, but second, the mental side of it of, you know, if you're training three times a day, every single day, you're going to hit that day where it's just too much and your body can't do it anymore. Uh, what would be some basic sort of strategies on the mental side for you that maybe some younger athletes can employ to first understand the importance of these things, but second to, again, hold that hold through their career so that as they get into those older ages and start moving into the pros, they're ready for those steps. Yeah. Awesome question. I'll try and answer in a couple of parts here. I was going to start with the physical side because I think that's a good point. Um, like recovery days are just as important as, as your work days, because if I don't recover well, then I'm limiting my ceiling for the next training day. So I know I was guilty of, like you said, wanting to work out five days or six, as many days as I can. Otherwise, I feel like I'm not doing as much. But if I can't recover and feel close to 100% for the next training day, then I'm doing myself a disservice long-term. So 
we pushed a lot of recovery days with our guys, especially in season because they're recovering from our training and sport. So I think those are, those are huge to start. And then you mentioned the mental side of things like, yeah. I know for me, what's helped me a lot is just finding a hobby. I like, like something you like to do that is away from your sport. So like for me, I like to golf. So that's a good way for me to kind of tap, take a step back, just not think about anything work-related and just go enjoy being outside. And just the challenge of playing golf has helped me a lot with kind of just recharging my batteries and staying consistent that way. Another thing I like to do is turn my phone off and go to the cinemas and watch a movie. Like just literally take a step back and just uh, do something that's outside of your day-to-day, what you've been doing for, you know, like you said, 160 days out of 180, just, just something to stay away from that. So those are two things I like to do. And then uh, one app I like quite a bit is, is Headspace. It's like a guided meditation. I think that kind of helps me. I usually do that at night and it just really helps me kind of just decompress the day and go to bed in a, in a good headspace and really feeling kind of relaxed and, you know, not really thinking about, you know, if I had a bad day at work or, you know, for example, if an athlete had a bad day on the field, like separating that from yourself, because that's, I mean, you're an athlete, but that doesn't define who you are either. So we're human beings first and just being able to separate the two, I think for me has been huge with not carrying it over to the next day. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a huge one for athletes as well. Like I know even from the coaching standpoint, I know I definitely have struggled with that before too. Um, Like one area that I work a lot in now is combat sports. And like, you know, if I have an athlete fight and like I've had athletes lose obviously before it's, you know, these things happen. And my immediate reaction is trying to blame myself, trying to figure out what I did wrong that caused them to go into competition and lose. And like, obviously, you know, there are some times where there, there literally is nothing you could have done better and you just get caught with something and you lose like that, that happens, but it's always sort of the first thing in my head of, you know, what do I need to change? What did we do wrong in the gym that caused that to happen? And obviously I'm a big believer in learning from your mistakes, learning how you can make the next, make it better the next time for sure. It's like, but the ability to separate it and, you know, move past it and then take that next day on and improve off of it is huge, right? If you're sitting in the past, worrying about the mistakes you've made before, you're not improving from them. You're just stressing yourself out. And if anything, that's, that's not leading anywhere good. Right. That's probably why you're really good at what you do though, too, is because you're trying to always take the next step and figure out how you can get better. But at the same time, like you said, being able to separate it and making it a positive thing for how I can change moving forward versus look back on it and dwell on it. Cause that's not going to help the athlete either. If you're coming in the next day and in a bad mindset and just taking it as a, as like you said, a, a challenge and it, everyone's going to lose eventually or have a bad day. So taking those and, and separating yourself from, from that and coming in with good energy the next day. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And I think that's huge for athletes. Like any of you guys listening that, you know, are competing right now and are trying to move up the ranks keep thinking about that, right? When you have a bad day, don't carry that bad day into tomorrow. Take a look at it, figure out what you can improve, what went well for you, what didn't, but then take a look at it and make the changes and take that positive into the next day tomorrow instead of taking the negative into it. 
man, I absolutely love hearing that. That's just like, that's such a good, that's such a good message. But uh, then coming into like, just sort of as we start wrapping up here, like keeping that goal of the show in mind of helping athletes create long-term successful careers in sport. I think we've touched on a lot of really good things here, but do you feel like there's anything we missed? Anything you'd want to touch on a little bit more? Put me on the spot. <laughs> I like I like to do that every so often, you know. Yeah, that's all right. I like it too. Just for um, just advice for creating success and for yeah, time. anything anything you feel like from what we've talked about here, or even anything that we haven't talked about yet that you feel like could just sort of send like give that athlete an extra little thing to think about, something else that they can start working on now to help them move forward in the future. Yeah, I think I mean it's crazy how many athletes there are when you think about it. Like we talk about the high school level versus getting into the collegiate level and professional level. Like we're talking the top 1% of, of any athlete in the world. So I think I didn't realize that in high school that how many other guys were just as good as me um, or better, a lot of them better because I'm not playing and they are still, but I think really just taking ownership in your own career and, uh, doing what you have to do to get better each day. That might be, like you said, the mental side of things, which maybe you don't value right now, but I think that being open to all the things that we talked about will give you a better chance to succeed versus, I know myself maybe being some closed-minded on some things early. I know some athletes that are closed-minded on some things early, but just taking a step back and at least hearing out kind of the stuff we talked about or if coaches has advice for you, like being open to it first, you can take information from everywhere and then it's your job to process it and feel like what is valuable for your career. But if you come in closed minded to some of the info or stuff coaches are trying to offer, then it's got no chance anyway. So I know there's some things that I really like that's worked for me that I kind of like, what the heck? I don't think this works for me, but because I was open to it and tried it, felt like it really did actually in the long term. So think just not being closed minded about things and really being open to, to everyone's input and advice along the way will help you give you the best chance to make that career for yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I love about that is just what you said about understanding how many people there are that are just as good as you and better than you, because there's no avoiding that no matter how good you are in your local area, you know, for any of those Calgary kids right now, it's like, even if you're the top player on your team in this city right now, that does not mean you're the top player out there. Right. But being able to understand that, but then also take it back to the ownership. Right. It's like if if all you do is get caught up in the fact that, hey, there are thousands of kids out there that are just as good or better than me. Well, that's just going to stress you out. But it's like then if you take can step back and take ownership and go, OK, wherever I'm at now, what's that next step for me? What's the next habit, the next intention, the next practice that is going to be able to move me up those ranks? And you're just focused on that every single day then those results, those professional contracts, those great careers start developing themselves, right? But if your focus is simply being in the pros, you're overlooking that process of how you actually get there. Right. I think you made a good point there with, you know, not looking outward, but looking inward with it. It's not about comparing yourself to others, but it's about how can you get 1% better each day? And it's, it's your process. It's your journey. It's your career. So taking ownership in it fully, I think will, would be my advice. Exactly. Understanding that, you know, outwardly, yes, you're not the best one out there, but also then looking inward to push yourself along that rank. 
But one other thing I wanted to ask you about as well that I realized I forgot a little bit earlier was being in the professional organizations right now as well, four players may be taking their first step into the pros, you know, whether it's signing their first contract, going into their first pro training camp. Is there anything you feel like they should know beforehand to maybe help them get ready, help them be fully prepared for that step? Yeah, it's a, it's a big step. You're probably going to fail and that's fine. Like, like we talked about having strategies to deal with that is something that's going to be huge with you taking it in a positive direction versus negative. Like, like you said, guys from the high school level all the way to the pros, like now we're in that top 1%. So everyone out there is on your level, probably going to fail a lot, but how are you going to deal with it? Like, so what are you going to, how are you going to overcome what what's happened or you know, it's not going to be easy steps along the way. So like I said, just the strategies to deal with that, I think have those prepared because it's, it's not if it's when. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love hearing that, but I also think, you know, it got me thinking, especially with baseball, with there being, you know, so many levels, even within the same organization, the majors, then triple A, double A, you said high A and then A, you know, even if you're at that lowest point, you're playing a ball this year, you're still in the top 1% of baseball players in the world. Right. It's like, it's so easy to get discouraged. Like you get dropped down a couple of levels. It's so easy to think, oh man, you know, I must, I must be awful. You're still in the top 1% in the world. Like that's, it's as simple as that. Like you're still a phenomenal player. Now it's just help starting to take those steps up the ladder. Yeah. What can I, what can I maybe change in my routine or my thought process or my approach to, to get a little bit better and, get from a ball to the high, I get from high to double A. Just instead of it's big league or bust, it's just how can I get a little bit better today so I can reach my goal. It might not be next year, it might be three years from now, but I know I'm going to be better in three years from now than I was today. And I think one of the big things, even just based off that, it brings me back to something we were talking about earlier, talking about the long days in the gym as a strength, as a strength coach too. Even if you're in that A, high A, double A, like not exactly in the leagues that you want to be in, man, you're getting paid to play your sport for a living like are you in the major leagues no it's like but you're making a living playing the sport that you loved as a kid like that's regardless of what level you're at that's a pretty phenomenal way to make your living right right yeah how many people would would take that versus working a desk job that they have that's nine to five so yeah I think like you said just being grateful for for where you're at at that given point in time it may not be where you think you are or should be or where you want to be but just uh, it could be it could be a lot worse for sure. Man, I love that message. I think that's a phenomenal spot to wrap up here. But Derek, I want to thank you again for the time you took and just you know sharing your experiences working in pro ball. I think we got a lot of really good things across for young players coming up, but also even for some pro guys that are you know working their way through the ranks too. If anybody's looking to get in touch with you, just about anything they heard here, or just a little more in depth about you know your work within the organization. Is there a good way for them to go about that? Yeah, I'm looking at my Twitter. I forgot my handle name, but uh, I think the easiest way would be Twitter. It's DD Somerville, S-O-M-E-R-V-I-L-L-E, one. And that's just my my personal Twitter. So I'm pretty open to if anyone wants to send me a message or whatever, I'll definitely get back to you. And I think that's the easiest way to communicate. Awesome. Well, man, thank you again so much. I really appreciate that. And uh, young coaches out there or players, take a moment, reach out to Derek. If you've got any questions, any thoughts, I think he'll really be able to put some good 
put you in a good direction. And uh, for everybody listening, this has been another episode of the Elite Development Podcast with Derek Somerville and Kenny Dusso.